You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, let's talk scattergun street tactics. Now, we'll be talking three little targeted aspects of street reality work that we are going to loosely label scattergun tactics. First, that name. In my ongoing historical archaeology, I've come across a few instances of phrases along the lines of scatter them, or don't forget your scattergun, and also just shotgun has been used here and there in the same context as in he got shotgunned all to hell. What was initially puzzling to me is often these references were in incidents where there's no weapon being pulled. Finally, the key comes together when you realize that we're hearing archaic slang for targets along the periphery. That is foregoing, or at least adding to the, to the usual targets of the head, limb, and body. Uh, we hear echoes of this euphemism in old prison slang. The most current usage I can find is of it in uh, Paul Waite's Convict Conditioning 2, where he refers to training the neck, grip, and calves as shotgun muscle. He explains it thusly, quote, These groups were often called shotgun muscles by the old-time prison athletes because they ride shotgun with the bigger movers, unquote. Now, in the original rough-and-tumble usage, scattergun or shotgun is not in reference to the muscle group, but to the targeted areas of hands, feet, and neck. Now, let's address these one at a time. Start with the feet. Stomping of the feet is so ubiquitous in old accounts, it's almost remarkable when one does not encounter it. I mean, stomping, grinding, grating, healing, chopping is ex seemingly everywhere. That's why we feature it so much in the Black Botch Project, because there's so many iterations of it, so many devilishly crazy ways to go about it, and there's a lot of subtle ways to use it. I mean, it was so common in lumber camps, it picked up the name of corking, uh, which is spelled C-A-U-L-K-I-N-G, like caulk, like a caulk gun, but it's pronounced corking. And that's named for the metal tread grips called corks that lumberjacks attached to their boots. I mean, this common practice also led to another wild bit of slang called lumberjacks smallpox, which referred to facial scars bore by any jack who has had his face stomped in some past melee. I mean, the commonplace of the slang lets us know that just because someone was down, niceties were not offered, all right? So stomping always is part of the rough and tumble tradition. We see the remnant of this in Dempsey's falling step. Uh, we see it's still aspects of corking. We can't forget Dempsey came up in, in lumber, uh, lumber camps as well. So there you go. Uh, we see also stomping in the foot trapping and the uh, foot tapping and trapping and trade knife work. That same remnant and awareness of foot stomps is part and parcel of the game. The historical record shows his foot stomping in a variety of ways. It was not some rare event as with Marco Huaz's why use of it, the tactic in the early days of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Now let's move on to the neck. Okay, this is another scatter gun target. Uh, the neck is prime rib to the grappler. We know this. It's the source of chokes, uh, strangles, dugulations, cranks, and other such mayhem. But to the early rough and tumblers, it's also prime striking target. I mean, throat punches, neck chops, rabbit chops, of an astonishing variety and surprising angles were all coveted tactics. Let's face it, the soft tissue of that which holds up the head is far kinder than the bare hands and the vastly harder and meaner surface human skull, right? So we can go on and on with references to neck punching in early bare knuckle matches, whether actually or intentional, the neck punch ended more than a few bouts or led the way to the end. I mean, we feature neck punches all over the place in the Black Box Project because it's just part of the game, man. Now, if we see how useful jabbing and slicing to the neck was in the sportive version of Mayhem, we can only imagine how much more so in a rough-and-tumble scrum for all the marbles. 
Let's move on to the hands. This is kind of interesting, at least to me. Busting hands, finger popping, knuckle busting, and ripping digits, also a very large part of the inventory of viciousness. The strikers value knuckle busting and attacking bucklers and other such niceties. We feature that a lot in Black Box. I don't belaboring the point, but it's a huge part of this game. The grapplers in the clinch are on the grass, put a premium on decommissioning the hands. You can class this as grappling at the tail ends or below the wrist uh, ripping. This was, there, there's a, there was a class of submissions that were street-ready prompts from the old days when you fished small to large and made the transition to the big holds move like grease lightning, all right? So these small actions are not the period on a submission sentence, meaning the snapping of a finger was not the be-all, end-all. They're merely the accent marks along the way. So some of these submissions, such as bottle openers, splitters, hitchers, milkers, knuckle cutters, these are all devilishly small details that spurred onto the bigger moves. And again, we feature these because that's, that's part of the game. Often before you got to the big dramatic moves that we're all focused on today, there's two or three things that were leading to that that were just making everything all the easier. Now these bigger moves, seen in isolation, often they have the appearance of show holds or cooperative choreography, and to be truthful in many instances today, that's what they are. But if they proceeded by the tail end approach, this small violence portends even worse things above the phalanges, carpals, and metacarpals. A scatter gun does not ignore the big targets. What a scatter gun does is to make sure we don't tunnel on the big targets. We know we may be aiming at center of mass for a sure drop, but nothing ensures that sure drop like a blast from a shotgun that brings in collateral damage at the periphery. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>